0: This is the Perfect Pup Podcast, helping you build a better relationship with your pup. Presented by Pupford. Hello, pup parents, and welcome to today's episode of the Perfect Pup Podcast. I'm excited. We have a returning guest. We have Nick Franco on with us. Thank you, Nick, for joining again on the podcast.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure, as always. Uh, Love you guys. Love what you're doing. And uh, I was so pumped to hear from you guys again.
0: I was as well, and I'm pumped for this topic also. we were just chatting beforehand. This is kind of Nick's bread and butter. he loves this topic. We are going to be talking about barking, and I'm sure for some of you, you just got real excited because your dog's probably barking in the background as you're trying to listen or watch this, and it can be tough. barking can be extremely frustrating, um especially because you know barking is a natural behavior for our dogs, but we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about why they bark we're going to talk about you know things that we can do to you know how we should approach certain types of barking we'll talk about how to overcome the barking and help decrease it um, and you know again generally it's a it's a stressful topic because barking doesn't only affect us it affects our neighbors it affects people we go nearby on walks it affects you know if you bring your dog to work it affects your coworkers so barking can be a tough topic so I'm really really excited for it um, before that I just want to give another quick intro of Nick we you know, we've had him on before, but in his own words, he says he is an animal addict on a journey to learn everything he can about pet behavior, nutrition, and products so that he can spread the word and improve the lives of as many pets as he possibly can. And that mission that, you know, his intro, who he is, is very relatable to what we're trying to accomplish at Pufford and, and we, we love having you on. So I, I, you want to add anything on, on that intro or any other uh, kind of new facts you might want people to know?
1: No, that was definitely that it's one of those things that I felt the same way when I first spoke to you guys, that was the thing that got me so excited was, Hey, here's another company who shares a mission of, Hey, look, nutrition's help. Like nutrition is extremely important and it is going to help people uh, get educated about what they should be using for treats about how to get the very best for their pets. And any group like that, that is looking to improve pet parents' lives and pets' lives I just, I was pumped to be a part of it.
0: It's a great, uh, great partnership. That is for sure. I love it. So let's get right to it. Barking. People are ready for it again. people, but someone's dog probably, I guarantee someone listening, their dog is barking right now. So first things first, why do dogs bark? What is the point of a dog barking? Why do they do it?
1: So you have, of course you could sit there and you could go on and on and on and just list well, they also bark at this and also bark at that. But if you wanted to put it really simply, dogs bark because it's incredibly effective. And dogs are going to repeat behaviors that are effective. If it is something that gets them what they want, they are going to repeat that behavior over and over and over.
0: So when you say effective, like effective at what? So really what you're looking at is
1: depending on the situation. Um, let's say we're going to give you an example of, all right, the dog is barking at, um, a sound outside. If the dog is sitting there and they are barking at the sound and then the sound, if they're barking at a squirrel outside, who's making some sound near the window, as soon as they start barking at that thing and that squirrel gets up and runs away, the sound went away and they're like, mission accomplished. All right. Sound's gone. And because it's effective, the same kind of thing works for us. If they want your attention. And they come over and they nudge your leg and they paw at you and they try all their stuff. As soon as they do, and it doesn't work, they're thinking, well, let me try something else. They throw a bark out there. You look down there. Hey, what do you want? Then they're like, oh, that worked perfect. And they find out, wow, barking is extremely effective. I want to use this tool again in the future.
0: I love it. So well, that, yeah, I that's a great way to look at it that again, our dogs that are opportunistic, whatever word you want to use, what's going to work, they're going to keep doing it. Right. So real quick, kind of on that barking, because, you know, you mentioned, you know, we could have a list of they bark at this, they bark at that. Is there like any types of like categories for barking? Cause I know like, at least for myself, like I, I recognize like some, you know, I, my dog seems to have a different bark if it's, you know, barking at another dog or if it's just like barking, you know, sometimes my dogs will bark while they play and it's, you know, more just like fun communication. So what, what kind of different barking can we hear from our dogs?
1: So 100%. I mean, anyone of us, anyone listening to this, you, myself, we are going to definitely be able to recognize our dog's different barks. We're going to hear, Ooh, oh, that's his bark for I want to go outside. That's his bark for my toy is stuck under the couch. Whatever it may be, there are tons of different types of barking, but. I don't pay a ton of attention to labeling those types of different barks because I find that I can get caught up in it and then use it more of like a crutch or an excuse for why something isn't going to get done. Instead, really what I tell all of my clients is, yes, barking is going to be something. It is important to figure out why your dog is barking, but I really tell them the easiest way to do that is just focus on what is your dog barking at? are they barking at you? Are they barking at a sound outside? Are they barking at something that they can visually see? What are they barking at? Because that is going to give us the most effective route to follow to solve that behavior.
0: So on that note, let's kind of roll into the next question of, you know, finding what they're barking at. So how do we approach the different things that they're barking at? Or, you know, do we approach all barking in the same way? Because, you know, with that example of like, you know, your dog barking at you versus your dog barking at a dog outside going past on a walk, like how do we approach the different types of barking?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So with something like that, you're going to hear a lot of differing opinions depending on who you talk to, because a lot of people will put demand barking where your dog is barking at you because they want your attention in a different category than let's say your dog barking at another dog while on leash. But personally, I do not do that. And the reason I don't do that is because I break it down to its core. I think about, okay, a dog is only barking because there is a stimulus, something that they are perceiving, they are seeing, they are hearing, they are smelling, something that they are perceiving is causing them to bark. So whatever it is, the dog pops into their view, they bark at that dog. It's a habit that starts to form. And all we're really looking at when we're trying to solve a situation like that, it does not matter what the stimulus is, whether they're barking at you, another dog squirrels a sound when we know what they're barking at we solve it all the exact same all we're trying to do is set up a situation where your dog can be successful at not barking at that thing and then we can reward that success so that the habit starts to form where they want to stay quiet in the presence of that stimulus And a great example of this would be the one you were kind of talking about. Okay, your dog's inside, they see a dog go by on a walk and they bark at that dog. When that is happening, all that is really happening is your dog sees a dog, their habit is bark at that dog. Now to solve that issue, all we would look at is trying to set up a situation where your dog is going to be presented with that stimulus, a dog appearing in their sight, but at such a long distance, or at such a low intensity that they're not going to make a mistake of actually barking. That way we can reinforce them with a yes, followed by a treat or a click and then a treat. And then they're going to very quickly know, Ooh, I just did something right. What was it? And we want to start to get them focused on, Hey, what am I doing right now that is working so incredibly well?
0: So let's take that kind of the next step further Then, of, you know, one of the things you just mentioned was, being shown that stimulus, but from a further distance or at a lower intensity. So, help me understand that a little bit better. Why, why does distance matter? You know, why, yeah, why, why does distance matter?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, anytime we're looking at a barking situation, the intensity or the distance of the uh, stimulus is going to be extremely important. And it's going to be so incredibly important because, like we were just talking about, We want to set our dogs up to succeed. We want to set it up so that they're not going to make that mistake. And in order to do that, we want to know, okay, let's say your dog barks at another dog as long as the dog is inside of 20 feet away. If the dog is below 20 feet away, your dog starts barking at them. Whether it's excited or upset or scared doesn't really matter technically, only because it's just the presence of that dog is causing the bark. Now, if we were to say, all right, when I back that dog up and now it's 50 feet away, your dog isn't making the mistake of barking. We can start to actually start at a really long distance where we're at, let's say your dog messes up at 20 feet, we're at 30 feet and they're not making the mistake. They look at the dog, then they look at me, they get a yes and a treat. They look at the dog, they look at me, they get a yes and the treat. Okay, let's see, now that you can see the dog and not make the mistake of barking, how about following me on a leashed walk? And as they start to walk back and forth, and they can handle that without barking, they're getting yeses and treats for walking in the presence of the other dog. And the same kind of thing, whether I put them into a sit or a stay or whatever it may be, they're learning how to behave in the presence of the other dog. And then all we're trying to do is progressively get closer and closer and closer while continuing to reinforce those successes. If we hit a point where that dog starts to bark like crazy, we know we're moving too fast. We're going to back off a little bit and go back to where we were having a lot of success. And all we're going to do is we're going to work there until it looks absolutely flawless. And when it looks great, then we're going to start to get closer again and closer again and closer again. And we're just progressively overloading the dogs until they get to that point where they can walk right past the other dog and not have any reaction at all because they see the dog. They know that it's there. They acknowledge it. but they're paying attention to, hey, I've played this game before in the presence of other dogs, and I've gotten reinforced for doing exactly what I'm doing right now, which is walking quietly, following whoever it is that's holding this leash. And sometimes I get a yes and a treat for that. So I'm going to keep doing that.
0: So I want to make sure I understand this. And I'm going to kind of pull a couple points. So it sounds like the distance is important. I think strictly just so that our dogs don't feel overloaded, right? And I've heard this kind of analogy used of like, you know, if you're deathly afraid of spiders and you're a foot away from a spider, you're going to have a reaction for sure. But if you're 50 feet away from a spider, it's like, "Hmm, that doesn't sound as bad. So distance matters. The other kind of thought that I had as you were explaining that and kind of teaching us there is knowing when to take a step back, right? Because I, 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 so anybody on video, this dog right here, Scout, She has a little bit of a history of some reactivity, some barking. She's gotten much, much better. Um, But I think, you know, how do we know? Like, I know you said if your dog messes up a couple of times, it can get overwhelming. We can feel like, man, I've been working on this for forever. And that's kind of my third point slash question is, you know, this process that you're describing of, you know, okay, I'm 30 feet away. I'm progressively getting closer how long does that take for dogs? And I know that every dog is different. Every situation is different, but like what should people be expecting in regards to if I'm trying to overcome, let's use the continued example of, you know, kind of reacting and barking to other dogs while on a leash, how long does it take to overcome that?
1: So that's where, that's the only place that I typically will tell people, this is where it's going to matter whether your dog is barking because they want to play, whether they are barking because they're scared or whether they're barking just out of a habit. Oh, I see dog bark. And that's where it's going to matter because that's going to really set our timeline. If your dog is deathly afraid of dogs, we're going to have a much slower timeline because I have to work at your dog's pace to make sure that I'm not pushing that boundary so much that they're going over a threshold and making mistakes and barking and barking and barking because I move too quickly. I want to minimize those mistakes. So I always tell people, whether they're my clients or whether they're just somebody I see on the street you want to pay very very close attention to the feedback that your dog is going to give you because that is going to tell you how fast you can move if you're working at 20 feet away and your dog just looks absolutely perfect and you move to 18 feet away they look perfect hey maybe skip uh 16 and go straight to let's go to 12 and it looks good there great let's go to 8 and you start to make bigger and bigger jumps depending on how great your dog is looking and the feedback they're giving you with their behavior. If they start to look as if they're falling apart, the behavior starts to creep back up. They're starting to get a couple more barks in there. And then, you know, Ooh, I'm kind of teetering on that edge. Let me back off. I want them to be way more successful. If I do it absolutely flawlessly, that dog shouldn't bark in the entire training session. When we're working on that barking. If however, I'm pushing it a little too fast, we're going to get a little bit of barking in there. If I'm way in over my head, that dog's going to be barking like crazy. And you're going to be wanting to pull your hair out and you're going to be frustrated. And you need to take that feedback back off a bit and then work at a lower intensity so that you can reward more success faster. And your dog will start to get the idea much quicker. And so I always tell people, if that's the case, and you're paying attention to that, you're paying attention to the feedback and you're setting your dog up for success, you're going to reward a lot of successes a lot faster, and you're going to be able to move a lot quicker through your training.
0: And that's kind of the name of the game, right? We talked about this a little bit. Last time we had you on is it, it really kind of does become a numbers game of like, you've got to just get that scale further on the side of rewarding successes versus constantly trying to fight the failures or the bad bad behaviors, right? I used to air quotes for people listening. The bad behaviors, you gotta, you gotta find more of the good and remembering to reward. And I I I like to reiterate that, you know, almost every episode of like we have we talked about this last time too. We have to switch our mindset from like, it's only bad. It's the dog barking, the dog barking, the dog barking. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? It's finding the good things and remembering to reward them. And I find myself guilty of this all the time, you know, with Scout who's a little bit reactive and, and likes to bark, you know, when she's not barking, I almost never think about it. Right. And that's just like kind of the natural, I don't know if laziness is the right word, but kind of, you know, something's not bothering us. We don't think about it. And I think that's kind of part of what you're saying is we have to be proactive and we have to say, you know, even if you're out on a walk and you're not working on this training, it's not a quote unquote training session and your dog sees a dog a hundred yards away and doesn't bark. Like we need to be able to be ready and reward that.
1: Absolutely. 100%. It's really one of those things where, and I kind of want to touch on it because it was something that popped in my head while you were talking about it is there are a lot of people that are sitting there listening to this and they're thinking, okay, yeah, but my dog isn't barking at a sight. They're barking at a sound. And I want to make sure that they understand it's the same exact thing even though it seems different. So even though the dog is barking at something that they are getting like a visual stimulus or an audio stimulus, rather than something they're visually seeing, it's the exact same. And all we're thinking of is in that intensity, let's say it's somebody knocks at the front door and that just sends your dog through the roof. All we're saying is, okay, well then let's do this. Let's start where my dog is on leash, They're 20 feet away from the door, and someone just takes a fingernail and taps on the door. And my dog doesn't react. They get a yes and a treat for that. Then they do two fingernail taps and yes and a treat for not reacting. And we slowly build that until that person can sit there and bang on the door. And the dog is sitting there like, I know this game. This is the one where people make sound on the door, and I don't do anything at all. And I get yeses and treats. I love this game. And when we get into that spot, then we're reinforcing those successes. Your dog is starting to be like, wait. Is this that game where people make sound on the door and I don't go ballistic? Oh, I love that game because it gets me so many treats. And when we start to reinforce those successes, no matter what it is, whether it's a sound, whether it's a visual stimulus, whatever it may be, it's always the same game. It's try and set up a situation where the stimulus is going to be so minute that your dog is going to be successful and then you progressively build until they can handle the level that you are looking for them to handle in the first place.
0: I love it. That's I- I think that's really powerful. And, and again, a great reminder, and it's what you've kind of, been emphasizing right here go at your dog's pace we we can't get into this mindset of like well my dog needs to be able to not bark at a dog from five feet away by tomorrow it's just not realistic it's not how our dogs function it's and i again i think it's one of those kind of cardinal sins of being a pup parent is we have our own expectations and we don't like read the dog we don't read what our dog is feeling and and trying to understand and i'm going to do like a tiny quick plug here of like you know we're talking about barking but some of it is looking at the holistic, you know, of your dog's body language of of what's about to happen because oftentimes you can see, you know, like you were talking about when you're moving closer, moving closer to a stimulus, you might see them start to tense up a little bit, you might see a little bit of, you know, lip licking, like that type of thing. So, being aware of your dog's body language is so important i think to to this barking behavior. Um and and it's a plug because we're launching a dog body language course. I believe it'll be out by the time this is out. So, you know, it it it's, I, I've learned a lot about dog body language and I, I'm just like kind of seeing these connections too, as to like, you can often read when your dog is getting uncomfortable and may start to present the behavior of barking before they even bark.
1: Oh, 100%. And I cannot tell you how incredibly that important that process is and the funny part is a lot of people will know their dog's body language so incredibly well that they will actually, in a training consultation or in a training something, go, oh, he's about to do it. Watch. And you're like, no, no, no. That's when you would get in there with that yes in the treat and make sure that you prevent it before it ever happens so that you can get in there, interrupt that undesirable behavior and go straight to reinforcing what you already do like and make sure we know, all right, I'm preventing that undesirable behavior from occurring. I'm reinforcing what I do like. And quickly that habit of what you do like is going to start to form. And before you know it, that dog is going to be walking, breezing past other dogs and being super excited to do it because they're focused on you. Like, I love this game. I didn't know this is how this worked.
0: I love it. So a couple quick last questions, really important ones here. I kind of, so you've kind of talked about it and in my own head, I'm using this term I've heard tossed around called like alternate behaviors or, you know, like where if our dog is doing something we don't want, you know, giving them something alternatively to do. So it sounds like I've gathered, you know, looking at you, that can be an alternate behavior, right? If, if instead of them looking at this dog and barking, they focus back on you, what are other alternate behaviors that you employ? For barking, I know people will use like the place behavior, especially for the the door type of things. What kind of other, what things can we replace the barking with?
1: So I will say in that sense, I'm a little different on that. I don't use a ton of commands. And the only reason I don't use a ton of commands is that I find that when I give people a bunch of different commands to train, they'll get hyper-focused on training a particular command and... Or five or six commands and then it's just more balls in the air for them to juggle and they can start to get overwhelmed and what I will tell people to make it as simple as I possibly can. Is when you're in the presence of that stimulus, whatever it may be the sound or the visual stimulus that is upsetting your dog or that causes them to bark. All you're looking for is you're going to yes and treat or click and treat any behavior that is not barking at that dog. If it is your dog looks at the dog, you'll see that one where they're like, and they see the dog right away, but they haven't yet barked. Yes, get in there, give them a treat before they make the mistake. They get the treat, holy cow, what did I just do? You get a couple of those in a row, I could set it up where I say, all right, for every second that you're looking at a dog that you don't bark, I can yes and treat that. Because technically you are being correct. And then I could also say, when you look away from dogs, that's also not barking. I'll take that, that's a yes and a treat. Oh, you saw the dog and you just kept walking. Great. Yes. And treat that. And I'm just looking for anything that is not an undesirable behavior. And I'm going to start yesing and treating that. And then I can start to set up in a position where those dogs are thinking, wow, all of these things work. I'm going to start doing any of those. And as I can shape that, if I need to, I can start to say, okay, now I want the dog to take their eyes off of the dog. Look at me and then do something else. But typically I'm not going to put in a lot of cues only because I find then I end up with a person standing next to a dog being like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And the dog is just barking its face off. And instead of setting that up, I think of more, look for anything you like, yes, and treat it. And then start to just re progressively get closer and closer and closer. When you stop getting those behaviors that you were reinforcing before and you start to get barking, you're too close or you're at too high of an intensity and then you can back off. But it's always going to be that game where you're always trying to just reinforce any of those alternative behaviors and not necessarily you could add in there a cue if you wanted to. You could add in something like teaching them to settle or something like that. But most of the time for simplicity's sake, I'll say, Anything that you see that is not barking, reinforce it.
0: I love that. I think that makes it a lot easier on us as pup parents because like you said, there's so much that goes into dogs and to being a pup parent, even outside of the behavior side of things. We're always thinking about, have I fed them? Did they go to the bathroom? Like, you know, there's a million things. So I love striving for simplicity and just finding the good, marking it, rewarding it. Super powerful. So one last question, because I, I know that I love talking about what we should do it's so important, but I think it is important to highlight. And I didn't, I'm kind of springing this on you. I didn't include this in our outline. What should we not do? Because there are, I'm sure we could also talk about that for ages about, you know, the negative effects of certain types of training tools, as people like to call them that are, in my opinion, just aversive and not beneficial and don't actually teach your dog anything. And, you know, you can go into those or not, but what are (laughs) things? you shouldn't do and slash, or things that pup parents frequently do that are actually making the barking worse.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that is such a phenomenal question. It's funny. Cause I really like, I had it sitting in the back of my head and I was like, do I go there? Do I not go there? And I'm glad you brought it up because it really is something that's just as important. Knowing what not to do is just as important as knowing what to do. So when we're talking about what not to do, The answer is you do not want to go at your pace. You have to pay attention to what your dog is telling you. And then you don't want to sit there and punish, punish, punish. Anytime you're doing something like that, you are running into a spot where you are actually being positively reinforced as the trainer for punishing. So you're going to set your dog up to fail and then repetitively punish them for failing. And all you're setting up is a situation where you are now setting your dog up to fail. And it's going to get into a cycle where you start to get frustrated. Your dog is getting frustrated because they're like, well, then why are you putting me in this situation? And I really think of it as, hey, look, if your dog has a white belt in barking, don't put them in a black belt situation. And if that's the case, you just have to think of, we have to be focused on reinforcing success. I don't know about you personally, but I definitely wouldn't want somebody to just throw me into the deep end and hope i figure it out instead i want to set it up where somebody takes me by the hand and says hey this is how to do this and slowly gives me the tools to deal with whatever that situation is so that i can feel comfortable in that situation in the future so you don't want to get caught up punishing and then you also don't want to get too caught up on teaching a ton of commands or talking to the dog all the time because you'll see that all the time you see it in Uh, in parks where the dog is barking its face off and you've got a lady standing right next to it and she means the very best and she's trying to get that dog to focus, but she's over threshold and she would be much better off backing away from the dog and backing away from whatever the stimulus is that's causing the dog to go crazy and bark and go wild. But instead of backing off, they sit there and they're, look at me, look at me, sit, 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 look at me, sit, do this, do that, do this. And when they get stuck into that habit of trying to give all of this information in that state where the dog is overwhelmed, the likelihood that you're going to be successful is really low. And so I tell people, don't do that. If your dog is making that mistake, try and back out of there. Try and make it easier. Move away, create a situation where you can make the situation easier, and then immediately reinforce your dog the second that that undesirable behavior stops. And you're going to be in a much better much better space and you're going to be in a much better place for your dog to then start listening to some of those commands that you know they know and that sort of thing.
0: That's powerful. I I love that advice. And I think a lot of people listening are going to have an eye-opening moment of, again, like you're saying, don't always focus on saying different things. Sometimes it's good to just, yeah, get some space as well. I think, again, I kind of talk about like another cardinal sin of, I think, Pup parents, is we think we have to push through. We have to just keep moving closer. We have to keep doing this until they get it. Like it's so. I know you're talking. You're referencing physically moving away, and that is so important. But also, I think just mentally, like if you need, if you're frustrated, your dog is going to get frustrated, and nothing is going to happen. No progression is going to happen. They're going to get bothered. You're going to get more bothered. It's a vicious cycle, and no one learns, and no one improves. And so I think it's so important to remember to just take a step back as you need it. Um, so I love this. I learned a lot. I appreciate again, Nick, having you come on. I, I seriously, I really do appreciate you having having you on.
1: Oh, no, thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure as always, always happy to help you guys and help your listeners. I absolutely love what you guys do. And I find that that is what makes I have to do a, a like a, a kind of a plug for you, because I legitimately had this situation with a adorable little dog named Milo, who is a dachshund, who has the exact situation we are kind of talking about, where this dog just, if he saw a dog or a person outside at night, he just immediately lost it. He just went barking through the roof, and we were playing with all kinds of different treats and that sort of thing, and people were just, they wanted to pull their hair out. But it was something as simple as finding the right reinforcement setting this dog up to be successful, and reinforcing this dog often, and making sure that it was easy both for the owner and for the dog. And for the owner, that meant carrying a couple of those freeze-dried chicken treats that you guys make that are such high-value treats that they could just, hey, toss them in a pocket, put them in a plastic bag, throw them in a pocket. They're in your rain jacket. In the Pacific Northwest, you go nowhere without your rain jacket in the winter. So we know that's going to be on you. Now you're ready to reinforce your dog everywhere you go. You're set up to be successful and you're going to be good to go to train and you're going to get much better results much faster. So thank you guys so much for what you do and for having me on. It was a pleasure.
0: I love it. And I, again, appreciate having you on. Appreciate that plug. I'm biased, but you know, I really do think our treats are amazing. And like you said, it's so important to have them ready at your convenience because training moments pop up all the time. So for our listeners, We are going to um, provide information in the show notes. You can connect with Nick. We'll have his Instagram, his website, all that good stuff. Um, And please continue to leave us feedback. You know, we love hearing what topics you want to hear about, what things, you know, how you want us to do things differently, whatever. I look at all the feedback. I look at all the reviews. So continue to do those things. And other than that, we will catch you guys on the next episode.